pause for thought and join in the barking with Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog. We continue our chat about pets and dogs, cats, and all the uh, the fur babies that you have in your house over this Easter weekend with a Darren Rowe this morning who joins us, who is a dog behaviourist. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Nixon. How are you? Good, good. All right, this is very close to my heart. Yeah. Very excited to talk to you today because I have a very cheeky dog, but I love her so much and I, I think that I encourage it. Is that a, is that a bad way um, to be a dog owner by encouraging her naughty behaviour because I think it's cute? Well, I think um, you need to deem what's what's cute and what isn't, because I think um, behaviour is a bit sort of subjective, isn't it? What um, my dogs don't jump on the furniture. We've got eight dogs. We'd have nowhere to sit. But for another person who has one dog, then maybe sitting on the sofa is not a problem. So you just need to work out whether your behaviour is appropriate or not, and then promote the right things, I guess. Okay. But if you're promoting behaviours that aren't really very, you don't really like, then yeah, definitely you want to, you want to change that. So if she barks at people <laughs> well, I don't like, that's probably bad, right? Well, how does she know the difference between barking at people you do like? Yeah, good point, good point. I guess would be the question, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if that's clear, quite clear to her, then that's fine. But otherwise, uh, no, if, if you think about guard dogs and um, uh, professional guard dogs, if you want to call it that, they're trained really well to bark at only specific people um, when they're given a command to be on guard. Um, giving a dog a chance to bark without really having any control around it could become a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, you know the the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Is that is that false? Is it possible if you got a rescue dog or you you've um, yeah, adopted definitely. an older dog that you can you can teach them better behaviour? Yeah, certainly. I'd, I'd be out of business if that was true. So um, uh, I'd say a lot of my dogs um, that I train are certainly older, past the sort of, sort of five, six, seven, eight, even 15. What you've just got to remember is that the, the brain doesn't work as fast, maybe, um, depending on what they've been eating and what they've um, been doing during their life, I guess, but like humans. But um, it just takes a little bit longer. And also they've got quite a few habits there. And, you know, if you've tried, I don't know about you, but talking about um, when Nat's going to the gym, I've tried to go to the gym loads of times and I go once or twice and then I start and that habit doesn't form. <laughs> So yeah. if you've got a dog that's got lots of bad habits, then it might take a little bit longer to get the, the habits gone, if that makes sense. So to to, to um, reward the positives and replace those negative behaviours. Yeah, that, that was something longer. that I thought would be quite um, quite common right now. Over over lockdown, I saw a lot of people yeah. adopting adopting pets, um, you know, rescuing or, you know, adding them to their family. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of them are a lot older. So you think consistency is the best way to just keep their brain active and... And motivating them? Yeah. Um, consistency is a big word, though. I think you've hit on a, um, a gold gem there. So basically, if you've got four people in the family and they're all doing different things and expecting different things from the dog, then the dog's got no chance of um, getting the behaviours right because they're just going to keep trying out behaviours. classic one is jumping up. Some people love it. Some people hate it. If you don't want it when people come in the door, then you have to consistently not want it when you're in the house because mm. um, the dog won't know the difference between your friend and and you. <laughs> um, we got a text that came through as well. Um, why is our dog so protective? Um, she will stay at the door when my husband is not around and won't let anyone come near me. Is that something that they've taught their dog or...? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it depends on the breed as well. So if it's a particularly um, guarding dog breed, like a Mastiff or a Rottweiler or that kind of thing, or even some of the smaller terriers, they can be quite guarding, um, then uh, it will it will have that in them anyway. But I'm probably guessing that there's a bit of resource guarding there. I'm going to say resource, the person is a resource. So it's not necessarily when the um, husband's gone away. It's the fact that there's no one there to guard the wife. 
Um, and I see that quite a lot. And it's not always with the, the wife. It's sometimes the other way around. Um, it just depends on what the dog sees as the resource to guard. Um, I would recommend get a professional canine behaviourist to get in there because that kind of behaviour can turn aggressive quite quickly. And, and you've got a real problem there if it does. So I would definitely get a canine behaviourist in to help you there. Okay. If you just tuned in this morning on yeah. the Sunday Cafe, we're talking to Darren Rowe, who is a dog behaviourist. If you've got any questions for Darren this morning, uh, feel free to get in touch at any time on Magic Talk. 0800 844 747. We're talking to Darren Rowe this morning, uh, talking about dog behaviours. And he's from Mindfulness for Dogs. Um, actually, yes, we've got him on the line and we are taking your calls as well. So if you want to give us a call, you want to talk about your dog um, this morning, 0800 844 747, or you can text through your question to 3920. Um, Darren, are you still there? Good. I am, yeah, yeah. Here yeah. you are. We've got Rob on the line this morning from Marlborough. Good morning, Rob. Morning, Rob. Yeah, hi. Good morning. Hi, Darren. Uh, look, we've hi, got mate. a couple of rescue, rescue puppies uh, from... Um, we got them from Gisborne, uh, and they're uh, almost six months old. They're apparently from the same litter, but they look completely different. And um, I guess it's quite normal behaviour, but they're just humping each other all the time, or trying to. They're getting the ends around the wrong way. And uh, we want to have them spayed, because we want pets, not, not factories. But um, And they're only little. Uh, so, um, it, um, it's two girls, I guess. Is the best time. No, no, uh, yeah, boy and girl. Oh, oh okay. Um, so I'm probably not the best person to ask about what to, when to spay and what, when not to spay. You probably want to ask a vet on that one. But the general research now, depending on the size of the dog, if it's a um, sort of medium-sized dog, I'm guessing they're a kind of cross with a, and maybe a massive collie, staffy kind of cross if they're rescue dogs. Is that right? No, 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 no. not at all. Um, um, oh, okay. One oh, is good. very small. It looks like a sort of a dash hound cross Alsatian. Uh, oh, wow. Um, but it's very small. It, it could be a Chihuahua cross Alsatian. Um, the vet right. seems to think that they're Shih Tzu crosses. One's a Shih Tzu. Oh, okay. Uh, it, one looks like a Shih Tzu, but Shih Tzu Terrier, it jumps a lot, and the other one doesn't. Right. So um, one weighs probably okay. about five or six kilos, and the other's a bit less. Okay, so so for the small dogs, then the latest sort of research coming out of Europe is um, that they get spayed around the sort of nine to twelve months mark. The older dogs then from twelve onwards. So, um, but you do have obviously behaviours there that need to be looked at. What I would say is they're just experimenting, just like young kids. Um, it's quite a fun thing to do. You've got a male and female there, so they are going to get a little bit um, excited when they go through that puberty phase. You just need to make sure that your girl is protected. You don't want any unwanted puppies. Um, and I would speak to your vet about the best times to, to spay and neuter them, definitely. Um, it's all to do with the hormones and the growth plates not closing, so the longer you can leave it, the better, really, just so that those um, hips and those joints don't uh, get sloppy when they get older and cause arthritis and okay. stuff like that. Uh, yeah, no, that's really good. Thank you very much. Thanks, yeah, Rob. Um, Rob no worries, is from Melbourne. We're now going to Todonga. Darren, you're now connected with Malcolm. Good morning, Malcolm. I've got a 10-month-old um, uh, purebred golden retriever, and um, he's, he's awesome. He's probably one of the coolest dogs I've ever known, but he, he gets a bit, uh, like, if there's, like, a loud noise or if, um, if, like, I play softball, if I take him with me to softball, 
and my partner's holding him, and you know when the softball hits the softball bat, it makes sort of like a, yeah. like a sound. He kind of gets like yeah. a bit, um, like a bit sketchy. Would, would, would he? Would, yeah. Would he grow out of that? Yeah. Or would he? Would he grow out of it? Or is so, that so, something I can? Well, so so he's two months old. You say eight weeks? No, ten, ten, ten months. Ten. Ten months, okay. Um, well, in an ideal world, um, you you would have introduced him to that kind of noise and stuff in your life um, when he was a small puppy. Um, what you need to be looking at is doing because um, it's it's going to be fear, so he's scared of a noise, and, and he can't place that noise because it's too quick. So what you need to be doing really is um, making some sort of positive associations with that whole field. So I would be rather than just holding him, I would be treating him lots. Um, try and treat one just as he hears the noise, give him a treat. Okay, and then he'll associate okay. something positive happening with the noise. Try not to treat them beforehand because they might well then think of a treat as being, oh, well, every time I see a treat, something bad happens, and that can make him even more fearful. Okay. Quite important. So hear the noise, like then give the treat. Um, yep. Sorry, even if I drop, even if I drop a a plate or a, or a, um, like an apple on the floor, or if if I start the lawnmower, anything like that, he um, yeah. he tends to. He tends to run, and, run away. Uh, sort of it, yeah. yeah, it's quite a common thing for a dog that wasn't socialised um, correctly, probably, I would say. So I guess you didn't expose him to all those sort of things when he was a small puppy. And that's the price, I'm yeah. just guessing, that's the price you pay if you don't do that properly when they're young. So you just need to just do exactly the same. You can go online and find lots of puppy, um, call it puppy desensitisation stuff, that's what you're looking for. And just treat him like he's a puppy. It just takes a bit longer because he's already got that, um, he hasn't got that sort of baseline to fall back on. Um, but just lots of treats okay. when you had that really bad experience. Yeah, we'll get we'll get better, but it might take a few months. Yeah. And again, always list, list the dog okay. trainer if you get stuck. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, Malcolm. Thank you for the call. Um, if you've just joined us this morning from Mindfulness for Dogs, we've got Darren Rowe with us today. If you've got any questions, 0800 844 747, or you can text us 3920. Um, Darren, got a question here. Our dog constantly barks his, and his tail is wagging, so it doesn't sound like it's very aggressive, but he will bark if anyone walks no. past, drives past, or comes to the house. We know this is good to guard, but he does it to everyone. What's the best way to help minimize this? Thanks. Um, so, so dogs... Bark for two, well, mainly for two reasons: either protection, which is what this is sounding like a little bit, or it's um, for attention, um, which is also what this is sounding like a little bit. So I think we've got a couple of issues there. So first of all, um, if he feels he's got to protect the front garden and protect when someone comes in, he's going to bark. Um, if it's a certain like a loud shin or something, then it's an alert dog, and then it's going to sort of bark to let you know that there's someone there. Um, the wagging tail doesn't necessarily mean they're happy. Um, it could mean that they're winding up to go forward, if that makes sense. Um, so you want to just watch that one. But the the attention barking is when they barked at you to get something, you've given them attention, and then they know that that's a strategy that works. Mm-hmm. Sounds a bit like, um, I think you mentioned your pug. Is yours also a little pug, is it? Yeah, little pug. My one's yeah, pug, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of barking that you get with those sort of dogs, um, that's attention-seeking, and you give them attention, so they think, oh, I bark, I get attention, I'll bark again. So it could be a little bit of that. So when they bark, you totally ignore them. Don't necessarily turn away from them because that's a bit rude, but just don't look at them or touch them or say, stop barking. And, and then that barking behaviour will vanish because it will have no value. But I think you've got an issue here where um, we're barking at somebody walking past, and that's... a. Uh, gosh, we're trying to scare them away. So if we bark at them, they walk off and they run away. Well, they always do. So therefore that behavior gets reinforced every time they bark at them. So the best way to do it is stop them barking. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> tough love, but not too tough barking. love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, or even just get someone to go past your house and stop in the middle and stay there while they're barking until your dog stops and say, good dog, and then take them in.
Mm. then that, that whole strategy gets changed. <laughs> you ask a friend, they're like, oh, they sorry, go, mate, I'm busy this weekend. Sorry, sorry, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> sorry, um, come and have a dog barking party. <laughs> Carolyn's a first-time texter, first time listening to the program um, this morning. Um, she has a Maltese and a uh, five-year-old, and um, it gets a bit of anxiety while travelling in the car. Have you got any advice if they're travelling yeah, long distances in the um, car with pets, especially over the long weekend? Great question. Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, definitely the heat is something you want to make sure you've got all the windows open, but not totally open so they can jump out. Um, that's not a good thing. Um, I always recommend putting dogs in crates um, and making sure those crates are actually uh, tethered to somewhere because we don't want crates flying around the car. That can be um, very dangerous for necks and things like that. Um, but if you put a crate and then cover it with a very light sort of um, blanket or a sheet just so it's covered and the dog doesn't necessarily see outside, you think about... Um, when we get ill, it could be because we're, we think we're stationary, but we see things moving. And for a dog, that's quite a freaky thing. We're not, not used to that kind of thing. And it can sometimes take a, a, take a while for a dog to get used to that. Also, um, dogs can get very apprehensive. If they've had a bad experience in the car, then they, they get sort of, they feel sick before they even get in there and that anxiety builds up and they develop a phobia for going in cars. So it might be that you just have to make the car something really positive, feed them in there, treat them in there, that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing is always check out with the vets if, you, if it's a long-term thing because there may be an ear infection that, that affects the balance and that could be an issue. Okay, good tips. Hopefully that helps, Carolyn. Um, just to wrap it up, uh, mm-hmm. Darren, uh, this morning, uh, a couple of things. Underlying behavioural issues that cause your dog for stealing things, from stealing things. Yeah. What can, can yeah, what can we do? Listening to the yeah, listening to insurance thing. Um, most of those problems that those people have insurance could have been avoided, um, and really it's down to uh, you managing your dog. So as a dog trainer, I would probably go as far as say sixty percent of dog behaviour is management, and then forty percent is training. So manage the situation. You know, if your dogs eat socks, don't leave them on the floor. Close the doors. Teach your kids not to leave their clothes on the floors. That's the best way. And, and I hear all the time people saying they can't train their kids. But at four, four and a half grand every time, um, it's, it's amazing how quickly you can teach your kids. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Boredom. If they eat lots of grass, they could be bored. There's many issues why dogs eat grass, but one of them is boredom. So um, most of the stealing of food, stealing of things is due to boredom. So give them some interactive toys, but teach them how to play with them. Don't just throw them there and expect the dog just to play with them. You have to teach them how to play with toys, okay? Also making food, um, making treats, inappropriate treats for food. So don't give your dog cakes and biscuits and treats because they're going to love the taste of them because they're high in sugar. Mm. And they're going to uh, go searching for them. Um, and then they're going to go that counter surfing, trying to steal things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also making inappropriate objects fun. So, and this is something we do without realizing. So I've got gun dogs and some of my gun dogs will try and steal a TV remote control or something like that. Right. If I make a big fuss about that, I valued that remote control up. They're going to run off with it and always steal it. I have to totally ignore it, grab a toy and say, do you want this? And then value the toy that I'm playing with, not the remote control. Does that make sense? I see. I see. We value things. Yeah, we value things that we, we want the most by making a big fuss about them stealing them. And then, of course, they go to steal them twice as much. Um, always teach a leave it command. That's a real good one, isn't it? Leave it. And the dog just drops it, yeah? But the way you do that is, to, is a thing called give-take exchange. So they've got something, you give them something else, they drop that one and they get something for it. Then they're likely to let go again. Eye contact. If you don't have eye contact with your dog, you've got nothing. 
um, definitely work on that one. And if you've really got a problem, I had a, I was training a dog that just ate 100 stones. Um, he got to the point where he had like four or five operations and the insurance company didn't want to touch him anymore. So he's now muzzle trained. So when he goes outside, he has to have a muzzle on so he doesn't eat stones. And he was eating big stones. Um, so definitely muzzle training from a small age, but from a young age, it's a good idea. Yeah. An appropriate toy play, get them a toy and play with them, not just leave them on the floor. A lot of dogs actually have um, operations and things because the toys are left on the floor and they eat them and they're not appropriate. Okay. Bit of a quick one there. <laughs> no, but that's good That's good to know because a lot of these dog um, toys have a lot of fur in it that uh, my puppy will devour just like it's, you know, a piece of cake. So, yeah, yeah it makes sense. And, and also the ones that have the little tiny nobbles on them, yeah. don't stay well clear of those because when they break off, they just rip the guts. True that. Very true. Hey, Darren, really appreciate it today. Thank you so much for helping us out on the Sunday Cafe this morning. Happy Easter. You've been listening to Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog, giving our canine friends a voice throughout the world. To find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.mindfulnessfordogs.com.